The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Sharp Lessons, everyone. We're Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. We'll be posting everything from every single show that we do that uh, gives you good bets, gives you good advice, hopefully, uh, you can find on Twitter. Ben Wittenstein, across from me, the professor, Nate Jacobson. Nate, how's it going? How's the week going? Pretty good. Excited to break down NFL Week 2, College Football Week 3. It was a tough, tough Monday night for us as we looked pretty decent with the Ravens pick. That line actually crashed to Ravens minus three, which is something I didn't expect. I ended up taking three and a half. They probably should have won by at least a touchdown and that late fumble at the end by Lamar Jackson. In regulation, kind of flipped the game, gave the Raiders life, and they ended up winning in overtime. And uh, it was a disappointing night for me just because I have a lot of anti-Raiders positions from the preseason. Um, but we move on. I don't think that's a, a sustainable result for, for Vegas, and I know we'll talk about their game this week. But, no, excited to get back into the swing of things with football. I love NFL Week 2 early in the year, try to find some overreactions from Week 1 and capitalize on it. Yeah, it uh, didn't stop me from continuing to be the fade John Gruden guy. I, I still will continue no. to do that. Um, it just uh, that was one of the crazier NFL games you will probably see, and yeah. with overtime and thinking they had won, and then getting stood up at the goal line, and then throwing a pick. You know, it was just a craziness of overtime that it's one of those things where, you know, we had Baltimore minus four. I thought they maybe had a chance to score a touchdown and, and put it away, but overtime is craziness, and sometimes you just can't. You can't factor in the the insanity that sometimes is overtime football. I mean, try to kick a long field goal on second down in overtime, and they couldn't find the kicker, so they had to take a delay of game. So even <laughs> though they won the game, I think we could see that John Gruden, not quite the best in-game coach, no. and they're in a real tricky spot now having to travel across the country to Pittsburgh. And, and the Raiders, they don't fare well on that cross-country trip, at least under the Gruden uh, Gruden second stint in, in – uh, the Raiders franchise. Well, Nate, it's Wednesday. Uh, one of my favorite days of the week for betting, just simply because you kind of get a good idea if some of your early bets from Sunday and Monday on those early lines were correct, because you see a little bit more movement on those lines. You get a better feel of where some of these other lines are going are gonna to end up on games you're looking at. So let's go into some of these games. We obviously have our short list that we'll get to. New segment, Talk It Out, that we have that we're going to introduce that is going to be personally helpful uh, for myself. But let's go to situations of the week. What's the situation? We got our hangover games. We got a couple hangover games this week. Lousy hangover. Yeah, we're going to have one college and one NFL. And the hangover game for college, it will start off because that game is first on Saturday, involves Iowa, the newly ranked fifth Iowa Hawkeyes. I can't believe they're a top five team. That's uh, actually, I actually just noticed it this morning that they were top five because I don't care at all about the AP poll uh, <laughs> for the most part. Are we going to have a story I, behind that at some point? Yeah, well, it's just I, the 
the AP poll isn't indicative of what the actual rankings should be of the team when it comes to betting. Uh, it's just more for, uh, you know, media talk and non-betting stuff, which I, I respect, but I don't really factor into my handicap for the most part. Um, anyway, Iowa favored by 22 and a half this week at home against Kent State. They're coming off that big Cyhawk win against Iowa State where they closed about a four, four and a half point underdog. They also won in week one a big, big 10 game against Indiana. So I think this is kind of a, a letdown spot here for Iowa against Kent State, a team from the MAC, a team in Kent State who did play at Texas A&M in week one. So they have played in big college stadiums just as recently as two weeks. So I don't think they're going to be uh, – I think they have a chance to be up for the challenge and staying at least within the number, expecting Iowa not to play as well coming off that big win against Iowa State, especially since Iowa is living off turnovers. They had another defensive score on Saturday against Iowa State, this time a fumble that was recovered near the end zone. So I think Iowa is a team that maybe fade this week in this hangover spot, but also down the line in Big Ten games if they're favorite. I think that they might be a little bit overvalued because they are the fifth-ranked team in the country, and these turnovers they're creating that turn into touchdowns isn't sustainable. Yeah, you would think after that Indiana game, or at least I thought, and I said it on the podcast about how I still didn't believe their defense is as good as people were talking about. After the Iowa State game, Nate, I'm I'm willing to change that position to talk about how good their defense is, and it's obvious that they're a defensive team, and and offensively they're still seemingly trying to figure things out. Um, Petrus has, what, one touchdown pass this whole season? He was 11 of 22. 21 on Saturday. So it wasn't an offensive uh, dazzling performance by Iowa. It was, it was tough defense. They let up one touchdown at the end of the first half, which we talked on Monday was the reason why the first half went over. But yeah, it's, it's an offense that, like you said, maybe not as much to be desired, but yeah, the defense is playing strong. I'd expect them to probably play well against Kent state. But can we trust this Iowa offense to win by 23 or more points in a game where they came off two big wins? I don't think the fans are going to be as excited uh, at Kinnick Stadium as they were. Just kind of a, a natural letdown, not just for the players, but also just the, the crowd in general. The Raiders, we just talked about them. A bit of a hangover game this weekend uh, as they go to Pittsburgh. They have to travel cross-country go to Steeler country after an insane Monday night football game where they had to go into overtime. So not only is it a short week, it's a short week after a game they played in overtime. It's a short week where they have to go across the country to a Steelers team that look kind of good against the Buffalo Bills. Offensively, maybe not that great. Uh, they de- they definitely struggled offensively, especially in the first half, but they played strong defense. They got the block punt Pittsburgh did, and that kind of turned the game that's how the Steelers have won a lot of games in the last few years, especially two years ago when Big Ben got hurt and they were winning games because of their turnovers and, and forcing turnovers. I will say with the Raiders, I like how this is the hangover game because they literally might be still hungover as <laughs> on Wednesday morning. At least some of the yeah. fans are because they came up at emotional oh, yeah. win on a Monday night. First time there was fans in the stands at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. That dramatic win, emotional win. They basically celebrated. They celebrated the game twice. They thought they won it, and then they were short, <laughs> and then the interceptions. So, like, they celebrated this game uh, running on the field like, like a college football team would have won a game. So 
I really expect a huge letdown for the Raiders in this spot. We've seen it before with John Gruden having to travel uh, two or more time zones. And I, I just like I like the Steelers a little bit in this game. I would like them a lot more if I trusted their offense a bit more. But when the Raiders had the ball, we talked about on the Monday night preview how we were worried about their offensive line. That didn't play well on Monday night. A lot of penalties. Derek Carr was pressured often, especially early in the game before the defense of the Ravens got tired. The Steelers have even a better pass rush. They have players who can guard Darren Waller and some of the wide receivers, and I don't think the Ravens had that, at least that are healthy right now. So I think defensively the Steelers have a huge edge against this new-look Raiders offensive line and just offense in general. Plus, I just expect the offense not to play well because for the first three quarters on Monday night, they were not a good unit. It was the fourth quarter after the Ravens got tired that they were able to move the ball and put points on the board. We also got some sandwich games. Sandwich. Games where not a a great opponent this week, good opponent the week before, and a good opponent the next week. Um, a bit of a look ahead. You you could put the sandwich and the look aheads together at some points. But the first team we wanted to mention was Arkansas, and they have Georgia Southern this week. They had Texas last week, and they have Texas A&M next week after this one. They won 41-20 over Texas. They looked really good. I mean, this is a team that loves to run the ball, Nate, um, very clearly. I think it was K.J. Jefferson and Trelon Smith had, what, 100, almost 150 rushing yards um, on the ground against Texas. But they play a top-10 team next week in Texas A&M, and before that they have to get through Georgia Southern. So you're looking at this game and you're thinking, well, I don't know if their full game plan is going to be in it specifically, and I don't know if their full intensity is going to be in a game like this when they know Texas A&M is right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. So they're favored by 23.5 right now against Georgia Southern. I can see that maybe climbing to 24 uh, we have to remember, Arkansas was the team that was losing by 10 points to Rice in the third quarter under two weeks ago in, the, in week yep. one. So that Texas win was great for the program. It was a big crowd in Fayetteville. It was a game that you know the fan base has been waiting for for a long time and a huge statement for Sam Pittman to do in front of a national audience. But So you have the letdown from that win against Texas, against a team from the Sun Belt and Georgia Southern. And then, as you mentioned, you have a neutral site game next week at AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, against a top 10, a top 10 Texas A&M team. So this is just the natural hangover mixed in with the look ahead and just a <laughs> just flat spot for an Arkansas team who had struggled beating a team like Rice. I mean, they ended up covering the spread, and that was something we featured in Sweat of the Weeks two weeks ago because they scored that late touchdown when they could have taken a knee. But I could see – you know, Arkansas just not getting out to a good start and having trouble pulling away. Maybe my one concern would be that Sam Pittman, he's a guy who wants to cover the spread. So maybe they have another kind of situation where they cover late against Georgia Southern. But I can see Georgia Southern hanging around because this screams a flat spot for the Razorbacks. Yeah, I would agree with something like that. You're just coming off such an emotional win against Texas. I mean, even <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if I would suggest Georgia Southern first half spread, but if you're thinking that that's the way the game is going to go, and, and I kind of agree with you where they may start out slow and you get the second half and you're like, all right, we're Arkansas, we got to beat this team. Maybe that first half spread for Georgia Southern is looking pretty good. You know, I was at, when I was going through my analysis of why it's a sandwich pot, that kind of crossed my mind, especially yeah. when I was thinking Sam Pittman might cover late. And, yeah, Rice was leading Arkansas at halftime. And also Arkansas is ranked now, so there's pressure on them. This is a team that's the hunted or the hunter anymore. They're going to be the hunted in situations like this. 
I could see, uh, you know, as we mentioned, a flat spot. I, I know on my I, my list of some college football games I want to bet, I definitely have Georgia Southern circled. My issue is Georgia Southern just isn't very good of a football team, so they could get absolutely boat raced if uh, they don't show up. Another sandwich team, the Rams, coming off that Sunday night football win against the Bears. They got the Buccaneers in week three at home, but this week they have to go to Indy, play the Colts. It's a noon game, central time, which makes it a 10 a.m. game, L.A. time. Colts uh, coming off a very tough loss, so you don't really know. I mean, they're one of the biggest question mark teams for me in the NFL because you just I, I, you just don't know how good Carson Wentz is going to be able to make that team. He just he did not look good week one, but I don't know if that means he's the Colts are going to be a bad team in general. So this is one of those games, Nate, where you're thinking, well, the Rams are probably going to be looking to Tom Brady week three, and they're coming off a, a big Sunday night football win with their new quarterback Matt Stafford. This spot in Indy could be tough, and it's, I think, what, four and a half right now, favoring the Rams? Yeah, it was three and a half, four. I I don't think four and a half maybe at one point existed, but doesn't anymore. Yeah, it actually did. It it opened, um, sorry, Rams minus four on Sunday night. So there has been some money on the Colts, and I'm not surprised, even though the Rams won by 20 points on Sunday night football in front of a national audience, Matthew Stafford unleashing the uh, the rocket arm that he had in the, on the first yeah. drive, and everyone is, wow, uh, Matthew Stafford finally has a competent play caller, and more importantly, Sean McVay finally has the quarterback that he has dreamed about having since he's become a head coach in the NFL. But you have that big, that big win. You have fans first time in the crowd in L.A. Now you have to go on the road. I think Indianapolis is, is eastern time zone. I know it's kind of border central and eastern, but – for the narrative's sake, we could say they have to travel three time zones for an early start. But what really makes this the sandwich is they play the Buccaneers next week. And right now in the NFC, or just in the NFL in general, that number one seed is very important because that's the only seed that gets a first-round buy. So games like this are huge games, especially when you have a guy like Stafford. Like, you bring in Matthew Stafford to win these kind of games against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So if there's any game they're going to overlook, it's going to be a team like the Colts who lost last week. They're out of conference. You have to travel on the road in between two big home games. So I think the Colts are definitely a team that I wouldn't be surprised with just how the NFL works, where you get, sometimes you have crazy upsets like this or upsets of you know four-point underdogs winning straight up like it would be in this case. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts went straight up. Obviously, I have worries about Carson Wentz. But the Colts last week, they closed as a two-and-a-half-point underdog against the Rams. or Sorry, the Seahawks. Now we have another NFC West opponent. I'm not sure what the difference between the Rams and Seahawks is, but maybe it is a point. So maybe the line is right, but situationally, the edge is very in favor of the Indianapolis Colts this game. And it's definitely going to be a game I consider. Colts plus three-and-a-half, hopefully plus four. Um, definitely over a field goal. I'll be on Indianapolis in, in some way in this contest. Let's do some sharp lessons shortlist. That is a mouthful. Um, so we have three college football games, three NFL games that we want to go through, kind of the uh, the highlight games of the weekend for both sports. Let's start college football, Nate. Cincinnati at IU. My Indiana Hoosiers are a four-point underdog to Cincinnati, who's ranked as top ten this year, the total at 50 and a half. Um, and seemingly, because when I was looking at this yesterday, Nate, I think it was three and a half for Cincinnati. So this line, in fact, has been moving in favor of the Bearcats. Um, 
this is a very interesting game for me because obviously I have that emotional attachment, but you just don't know what type of team you're going to get from Indiana. You don't know if it's going to be that week one team that they had against Iowa or if it's going to be the week two team that showed up against Idaho where Michael Penix looked confident and the defense looked like one of those top 20 defenses that we expected them to be this season. Um, it's I just don't know what type of team you're going to get with Indiana. And I think that question mark is why Cincinnati seems to be getting a lot of the money. Um, so I, this game is is I think that line makes sense. I do like the under for the total is is way I, the way I would lean. Um, but I, I nonetheless, Indiana at home, it's very tough to bet on them at home with the way they play. And literally, as you were speaking, the total dropped from 50 and a half to 49 and a half. So, oh, look at that. So there we go. I think that the under call makes a lot of sense. We'll definitely have an update on Friday if there's any bad weather situations. But it looks like it's going to be pretty calm around around the Midwest where we are located. Yeah, so yesterday, as you mentioned, it was three and a half. I was kind of hoping it get back to three and then make a, make a case for the Bearcats in this spot. Now that's up to four. Not sure if it's going to be like one of my bets for college football. Going to see where that goes, but it looks like it's kind of gotten past the point where I'll be confidently at least backing Cincinnati in this game. It's just a big game for Cincinnati. It's a team that has been crying because they haven't got a lot of respect, and that's probably a justified you know, claim that they haven't been getting respect um, out of the AAC, but they have two big non-conference games this season that can kind of make a, a big, you know, statement. And this is the first one. They have Notre Dame in two weeks. So you got to win this game first, though, if you want to, you know, be in the playoff discussion at least. So I, I kind of would lean Cincinnati. I just I don't know about Indiana. I know you said Penix looked fine against Idaho, but he also yes. really struggled. And I wasn't sure how healthy he was against Indiana. And that's kind of my big concern. And Maybe Indiana has the defense to keep this game close and under the total, but I have my concerns about Penix in general, who really looked poor against the Hawkeyes in week one. Um, now that it's up to four, probably going to be a pass for me, but I'd lean Cincinnati if I had to play the game. So I will say these two things in favor of Indiana. One, Penix and his head coach, Tom Allen, both said after the Idaho game that he looked much better and he said he felt much better. He felt more confident. Um, he just kind of needed to get his sea legs under him after being out with an ACL injury all, all at the end of last season through the offseason and, and repairing all of that. And it's tough to go on the road against Iowa. Hostile environment is your first game. So I think that Idaho game really let him get a lot of his confidence back. Also, I will say this about Indiana. I think they might be a tad undervalued here. And I think they're a team that obviously doesn't have the historic football powerhouse value so you're so usually they're going to be a team that people kind of write off and I think after last season you saw them get a lot of attention onto them and you saw that in the line against Iowa where they were only three and a half four point underdogs and people thought they were like the sexy pick of the year they were going to come and be undervalued for everything they lost that game in a really bad fashion and I think once people saw that happen they kind of wrote Indiana off and they said all right this is kind of the old Indiana team who's not going to step up in big situations so I think with a game like this, you might be getting a better value on Indiana, at least at plus four, than you would be if they had you know, won that Iowa game or at least looked decent in that Iowa game and still lost. So that's the only case I can make for Indiana. I'm still probably going to stay away from the sides. I do like that total. 
Um, but I, I think that's the case I can make for Indiana being undervalued at this point where they may be the good pick. And I remember before the season, actually right before week one, this line was up because I had like the games of the year, the best games for each week. And this line was a pick em. So there's been a four point adjustment in general. Yeah. Maybe justified, especially just how Indiana lost to Iowa and Cincinnati looking good in their first two games. And now they have a real test going here. So uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think it's a if it was under a field goal, I'd, I'd like Cincinnati. But at this point, I'd stay away. Alabama, Florida. Big SEC matchup this weekend. Alabama started. Uh, what was it? I think it was minus 14. It moved to minus 15 and a half at some points. Um, the total is at 59 and a half right now. Um, that is another game where I'm kind of leaning towards the over after seeing what they did in the SEC championship last year. But, Nate, this is going to be one of the premier games for college football, and you know how I feel about Alabama and how dominant they are and how dominant they can be. Um, But they go to the Swamp. They play a Dan Mullen Florida team who, you know, they're probably going to start um, Emory Jones, but their backup in Anthony Richardson, the redshirt freshman, looked pretty good in the games that he's played in so far in the small amount that he's played. So that could be a, a factor if he starts becoming this crazy quarterback that blows past Alabama's defense. Yeah, it looks like last night the line dropped from 15.5 to 14. There's some 14.5 out there. So we found the resistance point, at least it looks like, in terms of how high the Crimson Tide should be favored in this game. Uh, Last year, as you mentioned, these two teams played in the SC title game. Alabama on a neutral field was favored by 16.5. Obviously, they've lost a lot, but also Florida's lost a lot. They had Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, all guys who were picked in the top two rounds of the NFL draft. So, that's why I think the losses on offense is why the total in this game has been climbing. It's right now 59 and a half. The last year that game was totaled or lined in the mid seventies in terms of the over under. So I think the line is kind of where it should be at this point. I, obviously Alabama first half is something I'll never talk anyone out of, especially <laughs> in a game like this. Yeah. I could see Dan Mullen, as we mentioned on Monday's show, maybe, Playing a full, making sure they play a full 60 minutes and cover the spread, make the number look better. I just kind of, my question in this game is want to see what Bryce Young looks like in a hostile environment. He looked really good in week one on a neutral field in Atlanta. There was definitely a pro Alabama crowd. I want to see what he looks like against Florida, a defense that was very bad last year. And I know is kind of taken in a lot of pride in trying to improve that unit. So kind of want to see that battle when Alabama has the ball. But as you mentioned, there's some intrigue about the Florida quarterback situation that I also am interested in seeing. And that a little bit of injury news, uh, Bama's linebacker Will Anderson had that knee issue um, against Mercer where he was taken out. I think he's expected to play, uh, but I mean, he's their he's their best player on defense. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Um, he's supposedly day to day and I think he's going to be OK. But just keep an eye on that if you're going to bet that game um, injury wise, because he is their best defender uh, at linebacker. So keep an eye on that. But nonetheless, Nate, if that gets for some reason, if Florida gets a lot of the money towards the latter half of this week and, and we see Florida dip down to plus 13 and a half, I think I'm going to hammer. I'm going to have to hammer Alabama uh, two touchdown score winner in that one um the night game auburn penn state big test for auburn coming in um we know how bo nicks historically has played on the road and it's not good Uh, i don't i I think i was reading a stat he has yet to throw for over 300 yards on the road uh he came close with 292 um 
last year, I believe, and he's just not a very good road player. So we'll have to see how that happens in, in Happy Valley with a full 107,000 fans for Penn State rooting them on. Um, this is another game, Nate, where I like the under in the total, and I know you kind of convinced me to do that, take the under for uh, 53. But the line right now, Penn State minus six. Um, and that's a line, Nate, I'm going to need you to convince me to not hit because I really want to hit Penn State minus six also. Yeah, I think my only worry with Penn State is just their offense and Sean Clifford. I know they had some explosive plays against Wisconsin, but in the first half, they couldn't move the ball at all. And Penn State was a little bit fortunate to win that game at Wisconsin, in my opinion. So maybe it's a, they're a little bit overvalued. But at the same time, Auburn, they have two wins this season against Akron and Alabama State. So I don't really put much stock into those wins. It's going to be a tough environment, whiteout. And Happy Valley, a night game. I like the under. I could only look towards Penn State. I'll probably look towards the Auburn team total under, and I just just doing some quick math, and it's probably going to be around 23 and a half. So probably one of my favorite bets of the weekend just because I don't love much for college football. It's going to be the under in this game. Specifically, we'll isolate the Auburn team total under, thinking that at least I know Penn State's defense will probably shut down Bo Nix and new coach Brian Harrison at, or Harson, pardon me, uh, the new Auburn coach. I think it's a tough, just a tough situation to be thrown in this non-conference game, having to travel early in the season. But I still respect Auburn's defense enough maybe to give Sean Clifford some troubles and maybe prevent Penn State from covering this game. I really, really, really want to hit that Penn State line. But I think if I'm going to make one bet on this game, it will be the under. I think that's I mean, the more sensible bet. Can, if you go if you go Penn State and the under, then that if you like Penn State and the under, then the team total has to hit for Auburn uh, as long as you yeah. get the best number. So that's always one way I like to look at it. If I'm not so sure about the side and total, but kind of like both, I'll just take the team total. But I I wouldn't talk you out of taking Penn State minus six. It's the only way I can look in that game. I think Auburn's going to have some real tough go right now, starting with this game. They have LSU and Georgia coming up, A&M later, of course, Alabama, the Mississippi schools. I think Ole Miss um, has to go to Auburn, but probably will give them a lot of troubles as well with that offense. So I think Auburn is kind of, uh, even though they're 2-0, we're going to see a, a tough finish. And I was high on the Auburn under 7.5 or 7, so a regular season win total. So at the very least, Penn State, just please win this game, because if they <laughs> win that game, it'll look, I'll feel a lot better about that win total bet. It's interesting because the total right now, Nate, is kind of leaning towards the highest it has been since this line opened. It was at one point 51 and a half, 52 sometimes, yeah. got up to 53 and a half, 53 now at most books. So, you know, I don't know if it's worth waiting until kickoff where, you know, generally you'll see more people hit the over and maybe it'll go up half a point and get that hook or get up to 54. But I do I do like the under um, for this game. I think you can convince me of that. Uh, NFL picks. Now we got three NFL picks or three NFL games we want to look at. Uh, Chargers, Cowboys. Cowboys go to Los Angeles. Chargers are a three point home favorite. Total 55. Um, I am seeing a lot of people like the Cowboys plus three. I think the side is, is something I'm going to stay away with in this game though. Yeah, I agree. I think you can make a uh, case for both sides. Although if I had a bet it, I would take the Cowboys at the full field goal. And maybe this is a, a bad handicap, but one of the reasons I think it's the, the Cowboys are the only way I could look is because the Chargers are playing at home. 
But as we've mentioned on the podcast before, the Chargers' biggest disadvantage is they really don't have a true home game because they don't have fans in L.A. And a lot of people either live out in L.A. because they're transplants or like to want to travel and make it a, a nice weekend trip to Southern California. And the Dallas Cowboys have, have both, where they have traveling fans and they also have fans out in California, the Cowboys training camp. Uh, in the summer is based in Southern California. At least it used to be. Um, maybe it still is. But I, I like the I like that idea of the Cowboys having a majority of the fans and, and maybe making it tough for the Chargers, who probably pretty demoralized being in that building, a brand new building that they're sharing with the Rams and having so many people rooting against them. So that's my case for the Cowboys. Probably not the best case in terms of the matchup, which maybe a yeah. lot of people are, are trying to look for and what I'm trying to provide. But at, at plus three, I just I'm not sure if, if these teams are is that much of a difference in the home field for the Chargers is maybe like a point. Plus, the Cowboys have extra time to prepare because they played last Thursday. Chargers played across the country in Washington last week. And also the Chargers closed a two-and-a-half-point underdog last week, so there was money coming against the, the Los Angeles Chargers. So I'm not really sure if they should be favored by three. But at the same time, Justin Herbert against that Cowboys defense could be an issue and a matchup nightmare for Dallas. And also, just don't trust Mike McCarthy. I said they have extra time to prepare, but when you don't have the coach that you uh, that's no. that good at uh, strategy, then it kind of uh, mitigates that edge. So. Um, a game that's in the late afternoon, and that's why I picked it. I think it's the uh, the game that Tony Romo and Jim Nance will be at, so I wanted to include it on the short list because um, it's one of the big TV games. But for me, I will uh, – it's Cowboys or nothing. I'll, let me put it at that. I, I need a little bit more time to look into some of the uh, numbers in this game and see where the line goes. How about the over? I, I've been thinking about the over 55. Yeah. I, I oh. was not impressed by the Cowboys' defense. That linebacking core looked terrible in week one. Uh, their secondary didn't impress. And the Chargers can score. And 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 I think they're a team that's more than capable with Justin Herbert to be able to score. Dallas, we know, can score. Um, and I know the Chargers defense looked good in, in week one. And obviously having Bosa there is, is huge for them on that D-line. But I think both these teams can score whenever they want. And that, that has me leaning towards the over. Yeah, and and that total opened like 51 in some places yes, and got absolutely going up, which is worrisome. Hammered to 55. Yeah. So I think now at 55, you probably have missed out on the best number, but I couldn't make a case for the under, especially since it's on a, a fast track in LA. Uh, I can see both teams scoring into the 30s in this game. Chiefs Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah. The Chiefs, this is going to be obviously probably the most fun game of the uh, of the weekend. Chiefs minus three and a half. That total is also at 55. And we saw what the Chiefs had to bring against the Raiders week one in Las Vegas. And uh, we or excuse me, the Ravens. And we know what the Chiefs can do with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, do you like a side in this one? I have seen a good amount of money go towards the Chiefs at minus three and a half. I think a lot of people feel like that line may be a little bit low. Um, and it's hard to argue, but we know that the Chiefs can be overvalued at times. But, Nate, they just they look so good. <laughs> they just always look good. They do, but they also failed to cover against the Browns. And if you look inside the box score, the Browns' um, rush offense had an absolute field, field day. 
I think there's a lot of cases to be made for Kansas City, and I th- but I think this line is just a little bit inflated because if you were to flip home field in this game, and may- if this game was in Kansas City on a Sunday night, the Chiefs would be favored by over a touchdown. And it's the same Chiefs team that closed five and a half against the Browns, and I don't think there's a huge difference between the Browns and the Ravens, at least at this point in the season. Maybe you can make a case that the Ravens aren't good, and we saw a little bit of that on Monday, and the injuries are too much to overcome. I still have respect for this Ravens team in general. I think the case for the Chiefs is, as you said, they do look good, especially in September. Patrick Mahomes, 11-0 and in his career, first month of the season. Zero interceptions at that time, 35 touchdown passes. The Chiefs have been Lamar Jackson in all three meetings against him in the regular season. Ravens on a short week after a tough loss. As mentioned, they have the injuries. But then the, when it comes to the matchup, the Ravens' secondary looked very poor, especially late on against the, the Raiders. Darren Waller had a monster game. Well, that's going to be an issue when you have Travis Kelsey now on the Chiefs, and if no one can cover him and or Tyreek Hill, then Patrick Mahomes could absolutely have a monster game in this spot. But it is in Baltimore. I think this line is a little bit too much, even though there's a lot of factors favoring the Chiefs. So for me, it's either Ravens or pass. I'm not sure if I have the the guts, honestly, to bet the Ravens, especially just some of the concerns I had of how they played on Monday night. But at three and a half, you're really paying top of the market for the Chiefs. Um, just like we mentioned last week against the Browns, how if you were betting the Chiefs when we talked about the game at minus six, you were paying top of the market. It ended up closing a little bit lower. Uh, but for me, it's either Ravens or pass. Finally, the Thursday night game. Giants at Washington, a, uh, yeah. a stinker of a game, most likely. I am, it uh, is. I am not really looking forward to watching this game, but it's an NFL game, so I will. Uh, the Washington football team, minus three and a half, total at 40 and a half. Woof on that total at 40 and a half. This is a game, Nate, where I am going to try to stay as far away as possible from any number, from any side, from any total. I don't even think I'm going to hit a player prop in this one. I am just going to sit on the couch and watch the chaos that is the Giants and the Washington football team play. And I I have the same thought. Probably won't have a bet in this game, but it's the NFL. It's football. We're just happy that sports are being played. And uh, I'm definitely going to watch the game. And, I mean, it's still a big game in the NFC East. It's probably not going to be a strong division. Washington had aspirations to win that division. They're turning to Taylor Heineke, who showed some stuff in the playoffs last year. Uh, The Giants have, you know, they looked bad in week one, but it's an opportunity for them this week to maybe change some of the narrative about them. So it's a game I won't bet, but it's a Thursday night game, so we kind of have to talk about it because we won't be able (laughs) to preview it on Friday. And I looked ahead to the the schedule next week, and it's uh, Panthers at Texans on Thursday night. So maybe we can skip that game. But it's, you know, NFC East battle, two big teams from major media markets. Um, the line opened four and a half, got bet down, probably because of the Heineke um, or the Fitzpatrick injury, and now Heineke is playing. Uh, the total has crashed down to 40 and a half. At one point, I saw 43 and a half, so I don't expect a lot of it's points. It's going to be awful. Because of that, I couldn't bet on the Washington football team, even though I would probably lean in that direction, especially now at three and a half. In a game with a low total, it's just a complete stay away. And, when you know, if you want to bet props in this game, kind of hard to do that when this is projected to be a low score. At least try hard to bet overs um, when it comes to the props. So a uh, game to watch, maybe fire off a live bet, a halftime bet, Ben. But 
pregame, not going to be involved. Yeah, this is, uh, it's going to be gross and we're going to have to experience it all together and put it out of our minds come the weekend because it's going to be a, uh, I don't think it's going to be a good game. Uh, before we get to your best bet for an early best bet for you, Nate, a new segment, we'll have this reoccurring every so often, every time we need uh, a game where we're leaning towards maybe making that bet, but we're going to need to talk it out a little bit. Nate, and that's what the segment's called. Talk it out. There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's that? Talk me out of it. Because there's sometimes bets, especially in my case, where I need a little bit of help, and I'm sure a lot of other people do too, and you're looking at this game, you're thinking, it seems so obvious, this is a game I really like, this is a team I really like, a side or a total I really like, but I just need to talk it out for a bit, because I need either someone to convince me that I'm an idiot, and I'm wrong, and I'm thinking about the wrong way, or I need someone to push me to do it. And I have two games for you. The first one is the Nevada money line against Kansas State. And I was talking to you about this game over text. Um, and you had some interesting things to say about it, which maybe kept me away um, from betting it immediately. Um, but that line is was at one point down to minus one and a half. It's back to minus two in favor of Nevada as they go on the road to Kansas State. Kansas State is playing with their backup quarterback. Um, and I have really liked the way Nevada has played this season. And even though they have to go on the road, they have to play a Big 12 opponent. I still am leaning towards taking Nevada. Yeah, I just would be a little bit concerned here just because now they're the favorites on the road. And Kansas State is one of those programs that even when they have injured players, they always kind of overachieve uh, compared to the talent they have. And I'm sure that uh, Chris Kleiman, the coach of Kansas State, who came from North Dakota State, loves the idea of them being an underdog at home kind of being the one that's doubted, especially since Kansas State, with the actual starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson, did dominate Stanford in week one. I know they have a new quarterback, Will Howard. He did play a little bit last year. He wasn't very good, but he at least has experience. So for me, it's just a stay away. Maybe this line gets back down to a pick though, because I could see some money coming in on Kansas State. So I'd actually just, instead of maybe trying to convince you to not to bet it, I would just tell you to wait to closer to game day. And the other game, uh, Nate, that I wanted to talk to you about and talk it out with the people, West Virginia against Virginia Tech. And I know both you and I are not very high on Virginia Tech, um, and I think that was a big reason for me why I'm leaning towards that West Virginia line, which the last I saw was minus three. Um, I'm trying to find it here again. Yeah, it's still minus three in most books with that total at 50 and a half. Not really too worried about the total, but I was thinking about leaning towards West Virginia minus three. Yeah, I, I won't talk you out of this one. Actually, if if <laughs> I probably would have been one where I wanted maybe you to talk me out of it because I am also <laughs> leading towards West Virginia. So maybe we can find a third party to see. But I mentioned I don't know why we sh- don't like it so much. Is the question why do we both want to be talked out of it? Yeah, I guess I guess that might be the good point. Maybe that would be a at least a bet on the Mountaineers. I mentioned earlier in the show how I don't like using AP polls for you know to judge the true nature of a a team but whenever uh, an unranked favorite is playing a ranked underdog it makes me think like this is the right side as in the unranked favorite happens a lot in college basketball and I think you can put put the same uh, thing in football where the the difference between these teams is is maybe minimal even West Virginia better but they had that loss to Maryland early in the season it's at West Virginia a raucous place to play Virginia Tech's already had their big win of the year, home against North Carolina on a Friday night. 
now they have to travel in front of uh, go and play in front of fans of when you know they haven't played in front of fans in a long time or at least packed crowds so West Virginia is the only way I could look in that game. I think it's one of those instances where the AP poll actually can uh, help you with a handicap in terms of uh, making a bet. Yeah, I really want to get that number before that that hook is added because I feel like you're going to get three and a half. That's the other thing, though. I've seen a lot of like some two and a half and some like three with the juice on uh, Virginia Tech. So I, I think waiting to two and a half could be the way to go. I don't unless there's an injury or something, I don't. At least the market doesn't look like it's going to get out to three and a half. Uh, yeah, maybe, right now maybe. I'm the, the numbers support that. I mean, it's minus 105 for minus three for West right. Virginia. So that plus three is favored, and it looks like 66% of the money is on Virginia Tech right now. Yep. So I think you can wait on this one and and hope to get a minus two and a half. All right. Do you have any other games you want to talk out, or were those mainly? Um, a little bit. So Utah, who let me down last week, they're favored by nine against San Diego State. The game is being played in Carson, California, because San Diego State's home stadium is being renovated. I just think Utah bounces back. I'm still high on Utah. I think that that BYU game was just like a shock to the system because they were playing in such a raucous crowd in Provo and an underrated college football rivalry. I still like Utah as a team that wins in the trenches with their offensive line and defensive line, and I'm expecting them to bounce back against the San Diego State team that's really kind of fallen off um, in terms of being one of they were once a really good team in the Mountain West. So Utah kind of for me, it was minus seven earlier in the week. Now it's up to nine, so maybe not as likely to bet it, but maybe something to have. And I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on that game. Well, I as you know, I took San Diego State money line against Arizona last weekend. That's and right. they were they were severely <laughs> undervalued in that game. Um I mean, they were they were the underdogs against just yeah. a pitiful Arizona. And money was coming against them. Arizona got out to like a two and a half point favorite at one point. Yeah, so I'm listen. I'm happy to take the sports books money if if they're going to give me even higher odds for that money line. Um, and I so I think if you can wait, maybe San Diego State will get some late money since they're the yeah. the home team. I just think. Utah seven point favorite is a much better number than obviously minus nine. San Diego State's going home. After a big win against Arizona, you know, for them, and and it was a pretty convincing win. It was nowhere near close for San Diego State. They blew Arizona out of the water on the road. So I don't know if it's more San Diego State being better than people think or Arizona just being a lot worse than people think. I'm leaning towards the latter. Um, but I, I am, I'm with you on siding with Utah in this game. I just, that nine is, that's a lot. That's a lot to lay. No, I agree. And I, yeah, I don't. I don't have respect for Arizona. Their win total before the year was two and a half. They hired uh, Jed Fish to be their head coach, which was clearly a a COVID-driven move because they had to pay the Kevin Sumlin buyout. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's more of uh, San Diego State playing like their their A game, and maybe this game not playing as well against a Utah team that I still I still want to like, even though they really disappointed me uh, late on yeah. Saturday night. And then all another right. game, uh, what was it? The, no, it's all right. Uh, oh, it's a safe space. One more oh, game. Yeah. One more game, and it's a game that you actually might have something on because it's a team we liked, and I'm going to go yes. against them. Fresno State plus 11 against UCLA. UCLA had the week off last week. They beat LSU in week one. They also had a week zero game. I just feel like UCLA may be sitting around for two weeks feeling really confident about uh, themselves and feeling really good that they're 
you know, the talk of the town, Clay Helton now fired at USC. So now everyone's going to be focused on UCLA football in that city. I can see them having a letdown against a Fresno State team that hung with Oregon. And now that win looks or that result against Oregon and winning in the fourth quarter, of that game looks even more impressive because Oregon went out to the Columbus last week and beat Ohio State. So I think Fresno State can maybe at least go score for score for a little bit with UCLA, maybe stay within um, single digits. And uh, right now, 11 and a half. So maybe that goes up. Not really sure. But I could see Fresno State at least hanging around and maybe giving UCLA a scare as UCLA kind of looks ahead to conference play. Yeah, I know. I, I think that that train of thought is really smart, actually, especially with UCLA having that extra week. It's tough because they had all the momentum. They had all the momentum heading into last week, and unfortunately they had that bye week. So it's one of those instances yeah. where you kind of don't want that bye week to happen just because you're rolling. Um, and I think that that bye week is going to end up being a negative for UCLA. I don't think they're going to lose. But if Fresno State can hang with Oregon – they have that confidence to say they can hang with pretty much any team at this point. So getting that two possession spread and, and getting that 11 and a half, if it gets up to 12, even better. I like that move. Honestly, I think that's a good lean. Uh, you have one best bet for us. Yeah. Let's make an early best bet this week. We two NFL. And I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers plus three against the New Orleans saints. I think there's a lot of overreaction a week one. The look ahead for this game opened as low as a pick 'em, so we have a three and a half point line move based on Week One results. And sure, the Saints looked great, 38 to three against the Packers, but it was also a game I thought the Saints would play well in, just because of some of the matchups and concerns with the Packers' offensive line. Jameis Winston had five touchdowns. A lot of talk about him this week, but he also didn't have to throw much, only 20 attempts, less than 150 yards passing. So he didn't have to face any adversity playing from ahead the whole game. I know the Panthers did struggle against the Jets. Sam Darnold didn't really look good in his debut, but I like this Carolina coaching staff in general. I think they have a, a bit of an improvement this week, especially now in the underdog role. I think there's just a bit of an overreaction here, and there's some line value in the Carolina Panthers. And I also like the situation for Carolina, especially because they are the true home team. Last week, the Saints were a home team on a neutral field. And I think the situation with being away from the city of New Orleans could catch up to them sooner rather than later. So give me the Panthers plus three and a half on Sunday NFL Week 2. I like it. I think that's a good bet. Um, and I love the early best bets, too. As I said, Wednesday is that day where you just you kind of figure out who you want to take. And one reason I like this is because of some places have moved this game from as high as Saints minus four to minus three. There's still three and a half out there. So I want to give this out because I think on Friday it's going to get towards a field goal, maybe up less than a field goal. I don't know if there's much of an appetite from the, the general public to bet on the Carolina Panthers after kind of a lackluster showing. But I think there's just a bit of an overreaction how the Saints played. Just because they're a team, I believe, that will have some maybe some longer-term questions this season in terms of the defense not being as good, getting older, some salary cap issues post-Rue Breeze, and just real no wide receivers to speak of, other than some guys who are filling in and did a nice job in their first game, but not sure if they can last for a full season. All right, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back Friday. Picks Friday for the third week, Nate. We're getting into it. We're getting in the rhythm. We're getting some good picks. Yeah. Our best bets, um, I think right now we are, what, 10 and 6 combined on the best bets? We're in the positive territory is all I know. You've only lost one best bet, and that was because the Vikings are 
the Vikings, unfortunately, in overtime. Oh, um, they, the Vikings are on the short list for the best bet on uh, Wednesday, so that's a little tease for the show on Friday. I'm excited. We're going to have some fun picks on Friday. Um, we're going to tweet out on Thursday asking our listeners, you guys, for the best picks, so for your best bets, and we'll read them out on the show as we did last week. So get ready to do that. You can follow Stadium Bets um, at Stadium Bets on Twitter to give us your best bets for picks Friday. And uh, with that, we will see you on Friday and good luck to everyone for a Thursday night football.